Welcome to Hope in the Halls, Christian Voices from Washington, D.C., sponsored by Hope to the Hill, also sponsored by Can We Pray, with your hosts Nathan and Amber Kisler. Learn more about Hope to the Hill at www.hopetothehill.com. Welcome back, everybody. Hi, everyone. I was going to let you start that, and I froze. <laughs> yeah, you did. And uh, now we're going. But uh, it's been, I think, about a month. We've been busy. You had Christmas tour. Yeah, we had the well, we had the Gaither Christmas tour, which you were with me on. And I mean, really, we had holiday season. It's just tough in yeah, general it was, it because there's so much going on. And then, of course, right after the tour, it's holiday time with family. And we went straight to North Carolina to visit your family. Yeah. And then back to Georgia um, to be with my family. Mm-hmm. And then um, we went to Florida for a short time just to kind of have a break from just the holidays and everything. And then, yeah, then we got back into the swing of things. And I was in the studio recording the yeah. first two weeks of January and on the road. And then I finally came home. And then now you're home from D.C. So we have a lot to catch up on of everything that's happened since that time frame. Yeah, for sure. And... Uh... You know, we, we went out of session, I think it was the 14th of December, 13th or so, something like that, whenever that Thursday was. I think it was actually the 12th. But <clears throat> we went out of session for the holidays, and looming over Washington was a big budget bill, you know, to fund the government, which just yesterday uh, was passed. passed. And so uh, that kind of over overtook the city when we first came back in January, and um, it's really been an interesting couple of weeks. So we'll recap. Uh, Amber obviously gave just on the personal side of us, but DC-wise, we had the screening of The Chosen Christmas special the very end of November. Going in, into December, we just uh, alluded to it in the last episode with Congressman Greg Stubbe, uh, because really, you know, Greg was the one that initiated uh, doing uh, any of those screenings for the chosen, we had been right. giving out uh, DVDs to every uh, or DVD uh, copy of the chosen to every office for the last three and a half four years. But Greg uh, reached out to me with another member, a Democrat from New York, Representative Tom Swazi, who is not in Congress anymore, but super guy. We had an amazing time. So something stemmed from that that we haven't really talked about um, up until now because it it wasn't public information yet we were told that it could be out in march may well we actually got to watch it over thanksgiving break we were in we did we were having thanksgiving with your family we we actually celebrated thanksgiving in pigeon forge this year and um while we were there we got the link to watch this beforehand because well because so (laughs) when we did the screening in 2021. Mm-hmm. Jonathan, I remember the day very vividly when they called me and they said, hey, Jonathan's coming, but he's going to have some extra guests with him because there's a film crew following him around to... Which we thought was maybe just from The Chosen. We didn't really yeah, understand. We had no idea. We, and we didn't care. We were just like, okay, you know, it's Jonathan Rumi. Of course, cameras follow him. Yeah. I, but th- they were following him everywhere he went for a whole year to... Just see what he was seeing, they were what documenting. he was experiencing. Yeah, and so we said that's fine. They followed him. We ended up getting into some trouble, which I <laughs> I want to save that portion of the story for when Jonathan is on soon, yeah. 
because he is going to be on the podcast with us. But I, I don't want to take away from that story because I want to hear his perspective on that night more than, than just us talking about it. But um, anyways, they filmed a documentary. I did not really know, nor neither of us did, just how big of a documentary it was at that point. Well, the night uh, we're walking through the Capitol, <clears throat> they were, we were walking and talking. At that point, we had to send the cameras out of the building be- mm-hmm. for reasons that we'll share later. And they said, hey, uh, could you say that one more time, what you just said? We were just walking and talking. And I said, sure, it's, uh, that's totally fine. So they pulled out their phone, had no idea that they were going to use it in this documentary till probably six months later. Right. Got, the director reached out and he said, hey, y'all have a really pivotal role in this documentary. I said, oh, okay. And they finally let us watch it. He said, it's probably going to be out next year. Well, all of a sudden, I guess two and a half weeks ago. Yeah, I think so. He, I get uh, a message, or no, I see on Instagram late, it's like one in the morning, Jonathan Rumi shares the trailer for the documentary. And Amazon bought it. And they dumped it, I mean, not dumped it, but they, they dropped the documentary without telling anybody. They, they surprised all of us. So Jonathan, you know, shared that. I think it that post alone had 155,000 likes on Instagram. Yeah, and the documentary, by the way, is called Jonathan and Jesus. So if you haven't watched it... On Prime. Oh, my goodness. Let me just tell you, we already love Jonathan. He's one of our dearest friends. We just, we absolutely love his um, spirit that he carries with him. And his love for other people. But when you watch this documentary, you really see that side of Jonathan and the struggle of playing the role of Jesus for him. Yeah. I, I mean, really, when you think about it, I can't imagine trying to play the role of Jesus because Jesus was perfect. He had no flaws. Yeah. He never sinned. Yeah. And so trying to play that role has to be a heavy burden, a heavy weight upon his shoulders because no doubt. there's so much required of you and responsibility. Yeah. And um, I truly believe Jonathan was called to do this. I have no doubt in my mind that Especially this was meant for him to, to play this role. Watching documentary, too, you really see that quite clearly yeah, his childhood. And, and they talk about it, and I can relate with this because I told you this when I first met him. Mm-hmm. They talk about how people, they when they meet Jonathan in real life, it's hard for them to disassociate that it's not Jesus <laughs> in a way because he plays the role so well. Obviously, none of us have ever seen Jesus face to face. We are going to have that one day. But right now, I always say we have Jonathan, right, to go off of because I feel like he has had the best, I don't know, I think he, he has done the best portrayal betrayal of Christ. Um, just the humility of him and also just the, the humanity. humanity of him. Yeah. And the fact that he has a sense of humor and he's laughing with the disciples. And a lot of times when people play that role, it's a very serious role because it was so much things that happened when Jesus walked the earth and it was all serious. But I do believe that he had... A sense of humor. I mean, he created us, so he had to. But Jonathan does that so well, and we obviously don't know what that's like yet. But if I had to to guess, I feel like it would be something like that. And so it's hard when Jonathan walks into a room to not go, "Oh, this is Jesus." And you have to you have to like separate the two. But watching the documentary, there's a lot of people they hug him and they want him to pray for them because it's it, they feel connected through him yeah. to Jesus. And it's it's just, it's an amazing well, uh, thing to watch. Well, yes. And to clarify, too, you know, based off of that, 
you know, I, I think a lot of people get very, um, I don't want to say weird about it because it's not weird, but people get very concerned with that. And, and I've, there's been a lot of people over the last few years that don't like the chosen for that reason. Um, so obviously we understand that. And, and, and I think most people understand that Jonathan is in fact, and has never claimed in fact, the no. opposite. He doesn't want that. Yeah, he doesn't at all. He doesn't want that at all. Um, but it can't help but follow him uh, with the role. And so I, I think, you know, what we both took away from, you can obviously clarify more if, after I say this, but I think we both took away from the documentary that Jonathan takes it so seriously, the responsibility that of what he's doing, what God, right. I believe, has, has brought into his path and is very, very careful. And you hear him say that when people say, oh, Jesus, he goes, no, no. I just portray him right. in a show. Exactly. And so he's very careful because I never want people to get the wrong idea because so many people do. Jonathan is in... in his the humility and he's just a he's just a dude he's just a man but he is a humble guy that we ha- have a lot of respect for and and God's given him a, a great ability to to act absolutely but also just to love on people and everybody that I've seen him around or we've seen him around he I remember he takes night, time with him he does and you remember you uh, were talking to him I think the night we walked in to the room when we did the screen. He couldn't believe that members of Congress... Well, first of all, he didn't know why they were lined up. <laughs> and I thought he would just know because yeah. we brought him there. Yeah. And he said, why... Who, first of all, he said, who are all... Who is everybody in the room? And I said, well, these are staffers. I said, but the people that are lined up are actually members of Congress. Yeah. And they were all standing there and they're smiling at him and they're holding their phones. And jo- Jonathan's, I mean, oblivious to what's going on. And he said, why are they lined up? And I said, they're here to get a picture with you. And he said, but I wanted to get my picture with them. Yeah. <laughs> and so he had, he's so humble about it. And I always, going back to the whole, his portrayal of Jesus and people not being able to separate the two, I liken it to this. When I first met Dennis Quaid, which was just a, a few short months ago, um, I first met him. I didn't look at him as Dennis Quaid. I looked at him as Nick Parker from The Parent <laughs> Trap because that's who I grew up with. Right. I watched The Parent Trap as a child, and it was like he was everybody's favorite movie dad. Right. Every one of us that grew up in that era, we all knew who Nick Parker was, and that's who we wanted as a movie dad. He was just like yeah. the perfect dad, you or know? his brother is Cousin Eddie. Right. Everybody knows Cousin Eddie, So that's, you know? that's the thing, is like when you I know. first met Dennis Quaid, right. it wasn't like I was meeting him going, oh my gosh, it's Dennis Quaid. I'm going, this is Nick Parker. This is like... The best dad that was ever in a film. Like, it, I mean, that's how I looked at him. And it was hard for me to separate the two that he's not really Nick Parker. Yeah. I mean, I obviously know that. But when you've when you've watched somebody on a film or on the TV yeah. and you meet them in real life, you have to wake up to reality a little bit and go, yeah. oh, they're just human. But the more I got to know Dennis, I started loving him as Dennis Quaid. Right. Because the real Dennis Quaid is even better than Nick Parker. Right. right? And yeah. so... And then when I met Jonathan, I started loving him as Jonathan. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't say he's better than Jesus at all, but yeah. he is still a wonderful human being. And to know his humility in the role that he's playing has been an honor to sit back and watch. And that day that we took him in the room with all those members, it, it just showed me even more of how humble he was because he, not for a second thought, they were standing in line to get a picture with him. Yeah. It never dawned on him. He never thought that it was about him. And he didn't come there wanting it to be about him. Yeah. It was all about who he's portraying. Yeah, and and, and he, he he thought the night was about those people. 
You he know, did. And, and sticking around. And I'll never forget, I still sit back and smile some days, you know, because back then, and maybe we've told this story, but it's a very short one. But back then, Democrats wore masks and Republicans didn't to make a point. Everybody was making a point oh, yeah. in 2021, you know, during the end of COVID. And I remember we were about to get on an elevator with Jonathan and it opened up and it was full of masked politicians, all Democrat uh, House members. And one of them in the back of the elevator, I I still don't know who it was because he had a mask on, so I couldn't tell who it was, but he said, Jesus. (laughs) And Jonathan again, you know, he said, no, I I just portray him, but yes, (laughs) it's me. And uh, I mean, people everywhere, and and it's become uh, even greater, you know, over the last couple of years. So Back to the documentary, we had no clue in 2021, in November of 2021, that two years, almost, I guess it is uh, a year and a half later, that this documentary would come out. And it's really been amazing. You know, the, the director texted me the morning, uh, later that morning after they released it, and he said, hey, I just wanted to make sure you knew. And uh, he said, I, I just am so thrilled that all this has worked out. He said, but you, you guys have an integral part of this documentary. And uh, he said, I'm thrilled for that. We love the work that you do. And it's been neat to see how people, how many people have reached out through our website and just said, we had no idea the work that y'all do in D.C., but we're grateful. And so God has given us a lot of, you know, if you want to call it free press, <laughs> that we've gotten yeah. through this documentary. But it's it's just, uh, it, it, it's a reminder of why and how important these screenings that we've been doing on the Hill are that leading to um, just this last week. We had uh, just two days ago, we had a screening of a film called Ordinary Angels, and uh, it was it was fantastic. And we, the real life pastor who we had a connection with, too, that we did not had realize, no clue. Uh, Pastor Dave uh, Stone from Southeastern Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. He pastored came. one of the most beautiful churches. I've never seen anything like you it. have ever seen in your life. I mean, yeah. We're talking, this looks like something that is in Broadway. Like, you know, like it's just It's a 25,000 member church in Louisville. But the way it's laid out yeah, is gorgeous. I mean, it's when you're standing, we sang there on the Gaither tour. That was our connection to him. Yeah. And he's uh, close friends with the Gaithers in West Hampton. And we sang there in 22 of the Gaither Christmas tour. And I remember walking on the stage for sound check and looking up and it's just rows and rows and layers and layers and levels of just chairs. And I mean, it was just, it. you know, those hotels, it reminded me of those hotels that you stay in there in a circle. Yeah. And you just see the the rows of the floors. That's kind of what that church looks like. It's yeah. just huge. Yeah, look it up. Southeastern Christian Church in Louisville, if you ever. But it's, it's beautiful. It's un, unreal. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And he, he doesn't, he has retired from that church now, but he still preaches there six weeks um, out of the year. Kyle but, Eidelman is the pastor, which... He was on uh, the Gaither cruise. Had him come speak. He's a super guy, and uh, just you know, so we've we've had such a great opportunity to do these screenings over the last what seven years now. Yeah. Could Which, by the way, years? if you if you haven't seen Ordinary Angels, great, go it, see it. Yeah, February twenty third. Yes, comes go out. see it. It's a true story. Wow, amazing film. I we watched it at home, but we were cleaning. I remember the night. This was a while ago. It was probably six months ago when we watched it, and I I got to admit we weren't probably paying attention completely because we had a lot going on, but to sit uh, the other night and watch it straight through, I 
bald like a baby. I mean, it's it's an incredible film, really. Uh, you need to go see it. Take your church to see it. It's a great family film, but it also uh, it shares the gospel, but and it also uh, talks about how organ donation and one lady changed the lives of one family. Right. I mean, just a very uh, she owned a. A hair salon in Louisville, she Kentucky. She was just a normal person. Yeah. And uh, so that's why she God was their, their angel. And uh, she's still alive. Pastor she's Dave. She's an ordinary angel. That's there right. Yeah. Pastor Dave <laughs> uh, is portrayed. Their church, I don't want to give it away, but their church plays a big part. They play a pivotal uh, role. Before the new building was built. This mm-hmm. was this was 30 years ago. We showed the film uh, to Congress uh, 30 years later on the day. On the day. Of the event that it happened. So it was pretty neat, but uh, we had a great time. And, you know, it's a great opportunity for us to get involved more in the lives of members of Congress. Um, Diana Harshberger came. We'll have her on the podcast. She is hilarious, a spitfire. Amber and I have really enjoyed getting to know her. And she's from uh, from Tennessee, uh, Middle Tennessee area, I guess. Or actually, no, it's, I guess it's uh, uh, Western Tennessee, maybe. Um, No, is it Southern? She's from, her district is like Pigeon Forge, yeah. Gatlinburg area. So, yeah. So it's not west. It's no. the other side. Yeah. But um, just a, a godly lady, and she is very spunky and just has no problem speaking the truth. And I love that about her. So I'm looking forward. We'll get her on at some point soon. Oh, yeah. She's she's a spitfire. I love her. <laughs> but uh, We need more women like her in Congress. This is, this is how much fun we had. So the other night, we're in the Capitol. Congressman Jim Jordan, who's a super guy, he's giving... Uh, and he's always busy. Yeah, he's intense. I mean, obviously, it's Jim Jordan. He's yeah. he's always headed to the next appointment because yep. he's he literally is needed in so many different areas. He's chairman of the biggest you know committee in Congress, you yeah. know, judiciary. So he and his wife are giving a, doing a Fox News interview right outside of the rotunda in Stat Hall. And he's he's just going at it. And so we get over there and she goes, oh, we got to wait. We got to wait for Jim to finish his interview. And she's just kind of laughing with the, the guys off to the side. And we're trying not to laugh because she's so funny. So he finishes and she walks by. And he goes, oh, hi, Diana. How are you? And she goes, Jim, I tell you what, you should have been at the screening tonight. And he <laughs> said, well, I had some important things with Hunter Biden going on. She goes, Hunter could wait for a while. You should have been there. <laughs> So he said, "Yes, ma'am." <laughs> She's just, just a cool lady. But we've really had just a wonderful opportunity this last year. And looking into 2024, this is actually our first episode of 24. Yeah, it is, um, and it's an election year. Oh my goodness! So we got a lot coming. That's something big thing last week had the Iowa caucus. Iowa caucus. What and, a wow! What a big deal that was. I mean, Trump obviously the winner of the Iowa caucus. Yeah, yeah he he definitely was. And you know we. Do you think, do you think, just from your opinion, do you think that the other candidates thought that he was going to be the winner? Or do you think that they genuinely thought no, that I th- I think they, they had a chance? That. I think at this point, for the last three or four months, they've all been fighting, hoping that they're going to be a VP. I mean, it's crazy to me yeah. that the guy hasn't shown up for one debate and still is, you know, the front runner. I mean, obviously he has... A huge following, mm-hmm. and um, I think that's pretty evident now. Yeah. And so, you know, Vivek, he just Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy, he just dropped out, and he endorsed Trump. Yeah. Um, I know that Haley and DeSantis are still are still trying to run and see what they do. I think they're going. What is it? New Hampshire next? Yeah. Is the next mm-hmm. one they're they're working it's a big on? One. That'll be a big one. There. Yeah. Uh, but we've all now. Are we going to talk about what we had predicted would happen? That is starting to slowly. 
come out in the news. You mean Michelle Obama? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'd say for the last almost four years, um, and I was really shocked that in 2020, this did not happen, that she did not run. Because there were rumors around D.C. back then that, that there was a possibility of that. And the the further we've gone over the last, you know, couple of years, I've certainly, you and I have talked about this a lot in private, we've told people, I, I really feel quite strongly that, that she's going to end up running in some capacity. And I'm, I'm not the type to get into... Well, we were talking about what we thought, who we thought could possibly beat President Trump and who the Democrats could possibly put forward that would be that person. And that was our guess we said, we both agreed that Michelle Obama would be a tough fight, a tough one for him to beat. Yeah. Um, so you know that that's something that's going to be interesting, and you're starting to see news articles now that are releasing. To, well, you know they don't talk about it, but she's been campaigning in places. She's been visiting cities, and you can look it up. Yeah. Like she's been going on different little. She hasn't called it campaigning. Right. But she's been going to different places and speaking, and I mean, and so now they're starting to finally put it out there. I mean, I just, I, it, it baffles me that it's taken this long, but there's obviously a reason for it why they haven't. So everything is very strategic in Washington. Uh, totally. And I, I think, you know, you remember uh, we watched Sarah Palin back in the day when she ran in the VP spot with John McCain. I was, we were teenagers, I think, when that happened. But Funny story about Sarah Palin, though. Go ahead. I have a good story about her. All right, go ahead. So she came to the National Quartet Convention. That's right. I forgot about and that. And she spoke there. Yeah. And um, we went up, took a picture with her, and we gave her a gift, which was a few of our CDs and DVDs. And um, we just told her that we loved her and thought she was a great person and it was so nice to meet her. <clears throat> and she got on the platform to speak, and she said, I'm so happy to be here, and it's so nice to, to be with all of you my friends and to get to see the Nellens and I will never forget it. Everybody looked at us and was just like, Oh my gosh, she mentioned your name. Like kind of, (laughs) and I'm like, she got it wrong, (laughs) but you kind of don't care. You know, it's it's funny. She's a sweet lady, you know, but I remember back then the struggle, you know, of uh, that whole campaign season. And even after that, you know, she had her reality TV show, and and I think in politics, there's the possibility of being too available to the American public where they get yeah. to know you so well that they don't maybe want to vote for you anymore. I think that was kind of what happened with her because she never really had that opportunity again. Uh, obviously, she became a household name. But and her family no- went through a lot. Yes. But for, you know, she came, became a household name for all the wrong reasons. Uh, unfortunately for her, and again, a sweet lady, and she and her husband, we uh, met her, both of them at an event, probably, I don't know, it was a year or two oh, after And that. I think her spotlight, it, it hurt her family in some ways when they when they would have a fall yeah. or they would mess up. The spotlight was also on them. And I think she felt the responsibility as a mother to step back out of the limelight and yeah. say, my family is more important. Yeah. And and that's what she did. And obviously, she's gone through some hard trials. Her family has gone through a lot. And so she hasn't really been, you know, in the political world for quite some time now. Yeah. And, and you know, I think, so that's a negative version of, you know, what can happen. I think President Reagan would be one of the greatest examples of how somebody took a loss because he had lost, you know, the, the previous election cycle. So what does he do? Obviously, he's a household name at that point. 
but he used to, uses to his advantage a radio show mm-hmm. just enough to keep himself out there talking about the issues for you know three and a, three years or so. He runs again. He, he wins. wins. So th- there's always an important thing. So all of that to say, Michelle Obama, if you have watched her over the last three, four, five years, she's not out there so much where it's overindulging into her life, but she's out there enough to remind people that she's still around. And to me, when I see people doing that, being around this world, and that, as long as we have, that, I don't want to say it frightens me. That makes my ears perk up a bit and go, okay, what's coming here? You know, what you it have makes political, you pay attention. Yeah, you have political aspirations. Um, and, and anybody who runs, and you, you could watch a lot of shows about people who run for president, and both parties, I would say Trump's, uh, Melania Trump was one of the few first ladies we've ever had who really seemed like she didn't want that mm-hmm. limelight in her life. She didn't really want to be in that role per se. I want to speak for her, but it certainly seemed that way. Every other president and and first lady we've ever had, both parties wanted to be out there. They were doing that together because they both wanted to be in political power. And so everybody has, you know, I mean, look, Bill Clinton became president. Hillary Clinton wanted to be president. So we've seen this stuff happen. I don't think it's a far stretch to say that Michelle Obama may want to, to do that as well. So that's something to watch for sure. I think would be interesting because we almost had that with Hillary where a former president would then become the second. What do you call him? I mean, like what is Kamala's husband called? He's he's the second man. A second Second, man? It's a second gentleman. Second gentleman. (laughs) So he he would be the first gentleman then, Mm -hmm. even though he was the former president. Mm -hmm. That almost happened with Hillary. But I, I don't know, guys, if Michelle runs... It will be interesting to see. That's going to be an interesting race to watch just because that's a tough one. It is. They are, I mean, the Obamas are loved. They are very well loved and respected. And um, yeah, I mean, you look at, look at when Obama ran the first time and, and, you know, the first African-American president of the United States, what, what Michelle, obviously the other two things that she has going for her is that she's she's also, and she's (laughs) also African-American. Right. So you're talking about two glass ceilings Mm -hmm. uh, that are being broken there. Uh, and that I think people, a lot of women, you know, that normally may vote a different way, uh, would be excited about that. So I, I, it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm very, very um, alert, and we both have been to watch what is going on. Uh, but certainly, something. I think to pray a lot about. of women who who might be more on the Republican side, who don't like Trump for his you know, what they believe they're his remarks about women or whatever you might want to think about it. I think they would turn for maybe like a Michelle Obama. I think those people are on the fence when it comes to that, because those women are kind of like, I don't don't know if I really want Biden, don't really want Trump. But if you put a woman out there, regardless of where they land on beliefs, I think they vote for her. Yeah, I I think that's an interesting point. And and obviously— but then that brings up the point of who Trump would pick for his VP, right? We have said now with where we believe we we truly you and I both believe he will be the nominee. Oh, There's yeah. no doubt in my I mind. If, I think if anybody tries to deny that at this point, it's yeah. just not possible. You're, you're just not paying attention at all. But I think we both think that he would have to choose a woman, right? At this point, and mm-hmm. I, I think he will. Yeah, I think he will. 
but we were listening today and somebody said that they think it could be Nikki Haley. I just don't see him picking Nikki Haley. Well, the word that's going around D.C. Uh, this week that I've heard is Elise Stefanik, who is in party leadership. She's a nice lady. She's very sweet. You remember at the Sound of Freedom screening, McCarthy brought her back to meet Jim Caviezel. Mm-hmm. And she had a staff, one of her... her um, Security uh, foreign detail agents that love Jim. She brought her with her back, and I mean, she's a really nice. I like Very Lee nice. Stefanik. Um, but but I, we think. I mean, I I don't know. I've not heard anybody. I mean, we, obviously, some people have said, "Oh, that would be really cool," but I've not heard anybody in the. The Beltway used to say anything about this, but I, I think Candace Owens would be a very interesting. Exactly, which uh, is a um, is what you would have to do if somebody like a a Michelle Obama runs. You would oh, have yeah. to have a Candace Owens. I don't see you winning with a Nikki Haley. I think you have to have a, a Candace Owens. And let me tell you, Candace Owens is one of the most brilliant people I have ever listened to in my life just to hear her talk we actually just watched her whole documentary about um, how to make a murderer if y'all haven't seen that you need to go watch it if you saw that documentary on netflix which most of us who were just you know in our houses during the pandemic yeah um we watched that and um it's very interesting because i have to admit that whole documentary had me hooked in thinking that maybe he was innocent and the way that they portrayed him on that documentary was just like you know he got so wronged by the police and then candace owens comes out with this documentary and totally demolishes all my beliefs yeah, <laughs> because of all her investigative work and right. the evidence that she brought. And she said, actually, they didn't show this part of the trial. They didn't right. tell the whole story. He's not innocent at all. So, I mean, the way that she is able to investigate and, and bring forth the truth in front of the public when people are not willing to bring forth truth right now, I think, number one, she'd be a great vice president. I do. I think she'd be great at it. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out for sure. And uh, obviously, we're just surmising here, so it's not. No, you know, wait, I, uh, it's not knows? like we're in Trump's ear telling yeah, him who, who to who pick. Knows, who knows uh, uh, what what will happen with all of that? I certainly think it'll be an interesting few months here. Uh, I, I last night when I got back, I had uh, two or three conversations with one with a a current member and. Uh, and then well, no, two with current members and one with a member that's running again. And so, you know, this is a heavy season for, you know, uh, all of the primaries. Uh, there's members of Congress that are leaving Congress right now that have been in for years that they're we trying to find. We just lost Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, we've lost Kevin McCarthy. We're losing Drew Ferguson, who is our member here in Georgia. We're also losing uh, uh, Patrick McHenry. who McHenry. is taking his place? We don't know yet. I mean, there's two guys that are up, you know, running kind of popular guys in this community right now. And so um, I've, I reached out to both of them just to, I'd love to connect with them, you know, generally. And uh, ended up also talking to a, uh, a dear, dear friend who's running for um, a seat in North Carolina again. And, and he's a, supposedly unopposed, right? Well, so he in the primary he's he's opposed by another Republican, which right. he's he's seven six or seven points up I think right now in that primary, but uh, as far as the um, the actual you know general election, there's no Democrat that has filed. So if he wins the primary, he'll have that seat. We want him back. Yes, yes. Uh, this congressman is a dear friend of the ministry and very very grateful for him. But uh, you know it's just very very exciting the stuff that's going on right now. 
it, it is election season's an exciting time just because there's so much happening everywhere you yeah. go. I mean, the Iowa caucus, like, we don't ever turn on the news, but I watched it just yeah. to see the numbers that came in. And, and why don't you explain, like, why that is such a, the Iowa caucus is such a big deal? Because there's a lot of people that asked me that night that were messaging me. And they were asking me questions like, so why is it always Iowa and why do we start with Iowa? And so why don't I want you to kind of explain that to everybody, because I'm sure a lot of people just go with it now. They're just like, oh, we just we just go to Iowa. So why is that such a well, obviously every state picks their their day. Super right. Tuesday, you know, March 5th is is the big day where the majority of the states uh, have their primaries. Uh, Iowa has always has been the first, at least as long as. Uh, well, long time, longer than I've been <laughs> alive. And so it, it is a great telltale sign. Iowans historically have, for multiple reasons, so you have the Iowa straw poll is probably what you're referring to first. Yeah. So the straw poll in Iowa typically, historically, has shown who would end up be pre- being president. Um, and, and so now we're in the caucus season where it really matters. You know, the, the straw poll is more like a, a practice run here. Uh, and now in the caucus uh, time frame, this is where things are decided, where you have to have 1,200 and I think it's 1,215 delegates to win the nomination. Trump won 37, I think, in Iowa. And so each uh, primary that goes on over the coming weeks and months will give him or the other candidates delegates. And when they reach that mark, just like when you are in the general election, you have to have so many, uh, you know, you, when you get to that magic number that you have won. And so right. this is what's kind of happening right now. But uh, Iowa historically, especially in the straw poll season, that is uh, how people kind of base, at least pollsters and so forth, base who they think is going to win uh, in from the Republican side, of course, right. when we're talking about caucusing here. But uh, it, it is it is a really interesting, you know, all the, the details, the nitty-gritty details that go on, I've always enjoyed, you know, from that, uh, the historical perspective. I mean, this has been going on for years and years of time in this country, and so it always gets really fun. But we're very excited. It's going to be a great year, and uh, we have some really great guests. We're finally getting them on the, the podcast with everything that's been going on. It was really hard, so... We do have Jonathan upcoming still, Jim Caviezel coming, um, and we've been trying to get people on the schedule. It's very hard to get people on the schedule. Danny Gokey and... Uh, yeah, and then Tim Ballard. Oh, Tim Ballard. My, you were mouthing to me, and I couldn't Yeah, I was trying to lead saying. you into it, but you weren't understanding. Uh, Tim, yeah, Tim Ballard. Tim Ballard. I talked to his wife, Catherine. She sent me a text this morning, and so we're trying to, to get all that situated. So the scheduling is hard with our schedule and their schedules to kind of lock them up together. And we'll have more members of Congress. Once we get back, so we're out this next week, when we get back into D.C. in the coming weeks, we're going to have Congressman Loudermilk will be on with us. And he's one I'm very excited about because he's one of our closest friends in D.C. And uh, so we'll have a good time. But we just wanted to kind of catch you guys up on what's been going on. Yeah. And And uh, we have a praise report. Yes, we do. So this was something that most people did not know that happened over the holidays. And really, we didn't talk about it on social media a lot uh, or at all, I don't think. Um, no. Most of you know that we've been in the process of doing IBF. And our transfer was supposed to happen on um, December the 15th. 14th. 14th, originally. Yeah. And so um, you're supposed to do a uh, like a... Check, basically. Um, I don't know how to say that without getting into details. That's okay. <laughs> but you're supposed to do like a checkup about five days before that transfer happens. And 
the five days before I went in for the check, we were all excited. Um, we just were, we, we knew it was going to happen. We were ready. And then they called us after we got back home from that appointment and said, Hey, we found two polyps. Um, and we need you to have those removed. You're going to have to have surgery. Right. Well, of course that was number one, a huge punch to the gut for us. Um, because that meant that we were not going to be able to transfer. And that also meant we were going to have to start that process all over again. And, um, and so we were not very happy about that, but we knew that we needed to take the doctor's orders and, um, and follow the rules, obviously to have a healthy pregnancy and a healthy transfer. And so, um, we were going into the holiday season. Christmas was coming. I mean, just, we were about two weeks away from Christmas, which meant that the doctor's offices were closing down. So that was also another bummer because we were going to have to put it off for at least another three weeks. And so once Christmas went by, <clears throat> I called the uh, hospital and said, hey, I've got these polyps. I need to get them removed. They got me on the schedule. We thought everything was going great. And um, I had a, an appointment with our IVF doctor who they were going to also take another check and look at the, the polyps again to see where we were at. Um, and then about a week ago, I got a call from the hospital and they said, hey, we just looked at your chart and found out that you had blood clots back in September. And I said, yes, I did. Um, I, you know, still have them and, and they're obviously still there. And um, I deal with them. I take shots, injections every day and uh, it helps me to control making new blood clots. It doesn't help the current blood clots, but it does help control um, your body continuing to make new ones. Hmm. And so... They said, well, we're going to have to cancel the surgery because of the blood clots. We don't know that we can put you under anesthesia. That could be very dangerous for your right. lungs and creating new blood clots. And we just don't feel very comfortable with that. Right. So um, after talking to them for several different times, they finally decided to ask my hematologist, who's the one who deals with my blood clots. I have so many doctors now. I mean, I'm <laughs> only 34, about to be 35. And I have like five different doctors, and so it's it's hard to keep up even for me. Yeah. But they wanted me to talk to the hematologist and go over what the options could be, call the hematologist, and she said, I don't see why that would be a problem for you to have surgery. However, if it will make them feel better and, and maybe we'll get some answers about the progress of the blood clots, let's do a CT scan. I said, okay, I'm fine with that. So on Tuesday, I went for a CT scan that was this week. And walked in. It was very quick, very easy. I've had the CT scan back in September when we right. found out there were blood clots, and um, and so I get it. I get done with the scan, and really, I'm just basically thinking they've most likely shrunk a little bit. They're supposed to dissolve eventually, but we're about five months in since you know I first found them, and we went to eat lunch, and I got a call. It was ten minutes. We had been out of the appointment maybe ten minutes. Eating lunch, just got our drinks. And I get a call from the hospital, and they were like, we don't know how to tell you this, but you don't have blood clots. <laughs> They're not there. <laughs> and I said, what? Amen. And they were like, there's no blood clots there. There's no, uh, they call them pulmonary, uh, uh, what is the word I'm thinking Embolisms. of? Embolisms, yes. And I said, well, um, that's great news. Yeah, praise the Lord. And so then it was like, okay, I can have the surgery, right? Yeah. Like that was good. News. I was just happy that I was going to be able to have surgery. Right that meant direction. I was cleared. Yeah. yeah, we were going in the right direction. And so um, I call the hospital back, get them on the phone, and I said, hey, guess what? Great news. I don't have blood clots anymore. 
Um, of course, I'm still on the medicine. You're supposed to take that medicine. And obviously with IVF, I have to stay on it the entire time. And But I had no blood clots. So anesthesia wouldn't be an issue now. So they were like, okay, we'll get you back on the schedule. Um, we'll give you a call once we can figure that out. I said, okay, great. If you could get me back on that same day we had, that would be wonderful because that fits in the schedule with the IVF doctors. Right. So then Wednesday, I had an appointment with the IVF doctors, and that was to check on the polyps to see where we were at with those. Hmm. And they wanted to do a, a full scan so that they could then send that over to the surgeon who would do the, the removal surgery. of the polyps. Yeah. And so we go in, we do the scan and do all that stuff. It was not very fun. Let me just tell you, if you've never had an SHG women, it's not fun. Hmm. Would not recommend. But it's a necessity. I did it. I've done a lot of stuff that I have not had fun doing with IVF, but... It's okay. It's worth it. Yeah. And I uh, came out of the office and we got home and I was waiting on a call from them. I didn't hear from them all day long. And then the next day, which was yesterday, yeah. um, I got a phone call and and I had prayed and prayed and just told the Lord whatever his will was. And the preface before you say this, so Dr. Roller, who George. works with us at yeah, George, um, we've worked George's best man in our wedding George is a prayer warrior, and I think so, and Linda, both of them, they are. And they're the type of people, if you tell them something like that you, you know, a prayer request, they're going to pray for it right then. Yeah, well, they I don't... called George. Right. When I found out that I did not have blood clots, George had been praying for that. And so I called George personally, because you were on the plane. I just, I couldn't call you, I texted you first. Yeah. And I called George, because I was so excited. I said, George, you're never going to believe this. And he's mm-hmm. like, what? What is it? And I said, George, I don't have blood clots. They're not there. And he said, wow, isn't that just like God? And so I told him about the appointment the next day, which was to check on the polyps. And And so he prayed for me right there. He did. He prayed for me right then and there while I was driving. And he prayed specifically that that the polyps would not even be there. That was George's prayer. Yeah. And so we get done with the prayer, and I'm like, thank you, George. You know, I'll keep you updated and all this stuff. And we don't really think about those things. You know what I mean? Like, No, we don't. I mean, I'm, I'm very appreciative of it. Right, but at but, that point, okay. <laughs> and this is what I, I told uh, Melody, who stays with me a lot, like when you're gone and she helps me around the house and stuff. I told Melody that day, I said, God doesn't owe me anything, but I feel like he's already given me the greatest gift already by taking the blood clots away. So if he chooses not to do anything with the polyps, I'm just happy that I'm cleared for surgery at this point. I'm just thankful for that, that we're at that point. And so the next day comes and I'm sitting, getting my hair done. My friend Rachel does my hair and I get this phone call and I knew who it was, this IVF doctor. And And they said, Mrs. Kistler, um, we don't know how to tell you this because we know we just saw them in December and they they sent me the scans to prove that they were there. Yeah. And but she said your polyps are not there anymore. You have no polyps. <laughs> and we don't know what else to tell you, but nice you just forward. need to cancel your surgery. Yeah. And I'm like, I was over. I'm, I'm getting my hair done in the hair salon, my, and I'm bawling my eyes out. And Rachel is like, What is yeah. wrong? And I said, No, it's really good news. Like God has just done so much in the matter of 36 hours. I don't know how to handle it all. And my so, plane was just landing, and you called to tell me. And, yeah, and I'm like, got in the ground. every time he's on a plane. Yeah. But uh, it was just, God has just done so many amazing miracles. 
And not um, my plane. I'm on a plane with about 200 other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. We don't have no jets around here. Let's uh, just, just but if you'd that. like to donate one, <laughs> I was sitting with We're a bunch still of doing other folks. Southwest. Yeah, but but no, it was there were so many miracles that happened. And when they told me that, I immediately thought of George because yeah. he was the one who prayed specifically for that. Yeah, and it was just it was a great great week of great news. And so then the IVF doctors were like, you need to cancel your surgery and we need to start transfer immediately. And so what was really funny though, was about five minutes after that phone call, the hospital called me and they were like, <laughs> we've got you back on the same day. And, we, and I said, I hate to tell you guys, I mean, I love to tell you this, but at the same time, I feel like I've driven you guys crazy, but I need to cancel the surgery. I have to do it now. And so yeah. they were so concerned, this, the hospital, this is the hospital now. They were so concerned with what I was telling them that they wanted proof of it. Yeah. And they were like, can you, um, Mrs. Kistler, can you give us the number to your IVF doctor? We just want to confirm that this is really, I'm like, I know you guys don't believe me, but I'm telling I'm not you, lying to this you. is what God does. It's, it baffles the medical people yeah. in the medical world. They don't understand it. Yeah. And unless you're a Christian, you really don't get it. But I was, I told him, I said, listen, they're not there anymore. There They're not are there. no ironies. Because, I mean, you yeah. got to think from a hospital standpoint, they heard from me the day before. Day yeah. before, they're like, so your blood clots are just gone, <laughs> right? And I'm like, yeah, they're just, they're gone. Like, they're, they're not there anymore. And they yeah. were like, but they were just there. We saw them, you know, I did a scan in December for the blood clots, and they saw them in December. Yeah. And they were like, so they're just gone? And I'm like, yeah. So they checked with the hematologist. Hematologist confirmed, yeah, her she has no blood clots. They, yeah. She is clear. <laughs> so they got that, first of all, and they're, they're already baffled by no blood clots. Yeah. Day two rolls around. Now you and, have no And polyps. now I have to tell them, the polyps are gone as well. And they are just like, how is this even, what are you doing? Are you making yeah. this up? Yeah. And so that's why I said, call the IVF yeah. doctor. So they called her. And there, th- that office them. confirmed. They said, "No, she. We checked her. She has no polyps. We can show you the scan before. We can show you the scan today. Yeah, she has no polyps. So that was a great, great news. And then today they called me and they were like, "By the way, the medicine that you would normally take for transfer, uh, you actually don't need. So I'm taking less medication this time yeah. uh, around as I would have as I did in December. Mm-hmm. And so." God has just done amazing things this week, and it's just been nice to have a little bit of sunshine yeah. during this process, because we've not had a lot of it in the past few months, and it was just really, it was a gift from God for Him to just be like, I just want you to have a good week this week, and it yeah. was an amazing week. And for those of you who listen to the podcast, we were supposed to be next week on a trip to D.C., and we were really looking forward to that, and and for a couple of reasons, one of which, most importantly, Amber's surgery next week, we had postponed that trip. And so I know now she doesn't have surgery, and uh, there's. I no do way. still have a very important doctor's you appointment do. next week, but so I, that's not. I, we just changed the time frame of the things yeah, that are up happening. Up until yesterday, Amber was having surgery, but uh, we're praising God for, for that, and um, it's just it's it's amazing what God's doing. His timing that. is perfect. Yeah. You know, we didn't understand in December what was going on, and I'll be honest with you all who are listening. The day that we found out that transfer wasn't going to happen was a very dark day for yeah. us. Yeah. Um, it was a day of confusion and sadness, and I was really angry. Yeah. I mean, I, I shared that with Nathan that day. I said, I'm angry with God, and you told me I think he understands. But now, looking back, I still don't know why. Like, I, I don't really—I can't tell you why he did what he did. 
all I can tell you is that like back then in December, I had blood clots and I had polyps. And I can tell you that as of January, I don't have blood clots and I don't have polyps. Yeah. And so I think God was just like, let me do what I need to do to get you prepared for where you're going. Mm -hmm. But sometimes that takes patience, which I'm not good at. (laughs) Nathan, being married to me for almost five years now, knows that I am not good with patience. It is probably the biggest thing that I struggle with is patience. I am not a procrastinator. I want everything done right then. I want it done now. Um, If I have an idea for our house, I'm like, let's go to Home Depot. Let's get it done today. And Nathan's Mm -hmm. like, we just talked about that. We were just dreaming. I just got home. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, no, we got to do this now. Um, If it's anything to do with getting something that we might want, let's go get it today. Why can't we order it today? And Nathan's like, no, we cannot get that today. So it's hard for me to have patience because I am such a have-to-have-it-now type person, whether yeah. that's you know something that we're doing in our house or that we're buying or even with IVF, obviously. And IVF has been a lot harder of a faith uh, journey because wanting a baby is such a big want for us. And I felt like I've waited long enough. You know, That's kind of where I got December is yeah. that, Lord, we've waited long enough. How much longer do you plan on us waiting? But... It's so much worth it. It's so worth it when you get to things like just a month later yeah. and God completely heals your body and yeah. says, this is why I'm doing this. If you would just wait and you'll, you'll reap the rewards if you'll just trust me. Hmm. And so I'm learning. I'm learning to have patience and I'm learning to have are. more faith. We both are. But um, that's our good news for the week and we're very thankful for it. Yeah. Uh, and certainly grateful you know, for what God is doing. Uh, you know, prayer requests, you know, for us, the things you can pray for. So many people write and ask how they can be praying. We we have screenings upcoming. We have outreaches. Um, I've been under the weather the last month and a half. I have not felt well. And uh, just pray that, that God would uh, work in, uh, in the physical issues that I've been having, and He has been. But um, just pray for that. Pray for Amber as we go through this transfer thing. But even beyond that, you know, we have a bunch of stuff coming up in the next month and a half, two months, and um, there are so many of you who support our work, that support us, and uh, we always are grateful if you uh, take the time not only to pray for us, but to support the work that we're doing in D.C. Uh, by supporting the general fund for events. We have NRB coming up in a couple, of, about a month, just shy of a month, and uh, we have to have a lot of things ready for that. It's, it's a great opportunity for us to, you know, find partnerships with other organizations that work around the country uh, to keep doing what we do in D.C. And so uh, that outreaches all of that. We would be so grateful if you would consider partnering with this ministry. Uh, you can go to hopetothehill.com and go to the giving page if you'd like to do that. And beyond that, just uh, be praying for our country. We need to be begging God to provide what we need this coming election cycle. And it's an important time. And so we are very grateful you all spent the time with us today. I know it's nothing specific. The next one will be a bit more focused on a specific topic. But we wanted to kind of update you guys on what's been going on and, and yeah. some of the things We're that we've been up. <laughs> talking about. Yeah, you're sitting in our And we had a room. wonderful date night this week for we your did. birthday. Your birthday was January I 9th. 34. Yeah. And, uh, you getting, did. getting old. 
but I married an older woman, so uh, mm-hmm. you're just not nine, by much. nine nine months older than me. Not so. by much. I'm just <laughs> wiser. That's right. I've always uh, given Amber a hard time since we were teenagers that uh, she was a little bit older than me. But um, we're we're very grateful. That was the best time, honestly. And thank you, honey. I just it was the best night. And uh, it was a lot of fun. It really was the first of many. That is the word for the year, Amber. Uh, you mm-hmm. called it this week, and I think it's so important. And what was that? You go ahead. Intentionality. Intentionality. In 2024. So whether that's with your spouse, uh, with the things you do at church, the ministry that God places in front of you, whatever that is, be intentional in 2024 uh, to serve the Lord in everything that you do. Yeah. Loving your spouse, your children, all those different things. Be very intentional this year. We are wanting to be extremely intentional this year in our marriage, in, in everything that we touch. Uh, that it would be for the glory of the Lord first and foremost. When I prayed about um, the beginning of the year and what I I always ask God for a word for the year, and that was the word that I felt like was just thrown in my face. And it was your birthday, Mm -hmm. and we were in Nashville recording. And you came to Nashville, but you were flying out to go to D.C. Mm -hmm. (coughs) Excuse me. And we didn't really get to celebrate. Yeah. And we kind of just glazed over it. It was like, oh, and Nathan and I have been in ministry our whole lives. So we kind of get used to that. Like, you know, birthdays are never really celebrated on the day. They're typically celebrated either earlier or later. And, and we're are, okay with that. It's like a Pizza Hut or Taco Bell somewhere for lunch, yeah. you know, whatever we can do. And but yes, in that know, time it's frame. It's just the way that it is. But I felt like God said, hey, I gave you this, this word, this goal for the year of 2024, and you're not really abiding by it if you're not spending intentional time together. So I came up with this whole plan of Nathan's birthday surprise day. It was just the two of us because just Nathan and I, <laughs> Nathan and I, we do so much with other people. We spend so much of our time with yeah. surrounding of other people, and we love that. We really mm. do thrive in that setting. However, we're not very good at taking intentional time and setting that aside for ourselves. And mm. if we do, we're like, we just want to sit at home and watch TV <laughs> because we're exhausted. And we, yeah. you know, it's, but I felt like God was like, you need, you've got to learn how to have date night. You know, you got to set that time aside and just go out and have a good time. And so I planned this whole night. Nathan had no clue. Not I told clue. him the day before I said, I need you to be ready by five o'clock and get somewhat dressed up, not too dressed up, but just, you know, nice shirt, nice pants, that kind of thing. And I took him to this place called Putt Shack, which, uh, shout out to Putt Shack in Atlanta. That was so much fun. If you've never done that, it's like an interactive putt-putt course that has, like, all these little games as you're playing putt-putt. Um, it's interactive with, like, Pac-Man and true or false questions. you got to hit cool. the ball. I it's so it. much fun. Yeah. If you've never done it, they're usually in major cities right now. I think they're probably in every major city. But Atlanta has one. I know Nashville has one. It's like top golf or putt-putt. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so much fun. So we went there first, and then we went to the Sky View in downtown Atlanta, which is the big, big Ferris wheel, also in, like, major cities. that every All, all of them cool. have them. And then I took him to a place called the Sundial, which is at the very top of the Westin Hotel in downtown Atlanta. And it's on the 78th floor. It was awesome. So it is way up there. I mean, the elevator ride is just... You could go watch it on my Facebook page. It's on there. But it is just... It took like three minutes on the elevator just to get up to the restaurant. But probably the best steak we've ever had. And yeah. they had mashed potatoes and mac and cheese. It was wonderful. We had a it was great wonderful. Time. And that's how we ended our night. And yeah. so it was a, a wonderful night. And it was intentional. We yeah. set our phones aside. 
We spent time together. And that's really what it's all about. And that's what we would challenge every single one of you to do. If if you're married, take that time to just have date night. And date night doesn't always have to be expensive. It may just be going to your local Olive Garden and just putting your phones down and saying, you know what? The world doesn't need my attention right now. My spouse does because that's important. And you know what? We both found out that when we got done with date night, and we got home, the world was still turning without us. And in spite of us believing that sometimes it doesn't, it was still turning yeah. round when yeah. we got done with date night. And so that is our word for the year is Amen. intentional. And we want to be intentional in our ministry, yeah. that we give our time to it when, it when it needs our attention. And with our relationships, our friendships, our marriage, and our time with God. Amen. And so that's, um, that's our focus for the year. That's yeah. our path. And that's our word. And I'm sure God has given you guys words for the year 2024. If you haven't asked him for one, you should. Ask him what he would have you do for for the year to focus on this year. Yeah, that's that's wonderful advice. And hopefully everyone will heed that because I think it's great. But uh, everybody, we are grateful. Appreciate y'all sticking with us. This is the longest, maybe one of the longest we've ever had. Absolutely. But it's good. I'm glad. And uh, we can't wait to get back with you hopefully next week. Yeah, uh, we're trying to get back in the swing of things, of uh, being consistent, and um, we're going to definitely be intentional about it. There you go. That's right. And but, don't uh, forget to subscribe on anywhere podcasts are available, whether that's Apple, Spotify, or Amazon. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, I think Google even, too. Crazy. Who knows? But uh, thanks, guys. We'll see you soon. Have a great week. Bye.